Welcome to episode 55 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor. I'm joined by Andrew, and this is a historic day for the history of the UConn program. For the first time since March of 2009, your Connecticut Huskies are ranked number one in the AP poll. Obviously, it's just a number at the end of the day. It's January 15th. It's It doesn't matter for March, but it's just an awesome accomplishment seeing how we've been up and down the past, I guess, 15 years in that since our last number one, we've won three titles. We've also had a handful of sub 500 seasons. It's just really awesome to see that number one next to our name, especially in the matchups we'll have in the next week, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes here. But Andrew, what was your initial reaction? Obviously, we kind of expected to see the number one after all that went down in the past week in college basketball. What was your initial reaction actually seeing it come true? I mean, it's special for everybody. Like I was saying, my dad had texted me and he said that you, I had never seen this before because the last time they were number one, I was just about four years old and didn't really know what basketball was. So it's special for everybody, you know, it's special for the older people who have been fans of this team for a long time, but it's special for the young people too, like me and you, Connor, who have been fans of this team for a pretty long time and have never really seen them be number one. So it's just, re it's really special for everybody. And I hate that people say it doesn't matter in March, but it, it's, it's a really cool thing for everybody to see. Yeah. I was obviously everything's coming out about that 2009 team Kemba Walker's freshman season at freshman. UConn coming Stan off the Robinson. Bench. Yeah. All those guys that seem to be, that's, We've had a lot of really good teams and good players since then, and they didn't even Craig get Aguirre even. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't get to the level that this team has gotten to, and I'm honestly sh shocked because we're this. We've done this without Donovan Klingon. I mean, if you were to tell me when he went down against Seton Hall that we'd be ranked number one in less than a month, and he didn't play a single minute, I would have. I wouldn't have believed you. I'd say there's no way, but. This group figured it out. We're going to get to the team in a second. I want to talk about the poll while I have it up here and while it's a, while it's hot. We were obviously number one, 39 first place votes, 15-42 total points. We had 36 more total points than Purdue, who had 20 first place votes. That was really our only real competition for the net number one spot because they were the previous number one. They lost to Nebraska, though, which isn't as bad as the loss as it has been over the past like half decade or so, but you still can't lose to Nebraska if you're Purdue. Kansas had a three first place votes and UNC who is actually up to number four in the poll had a first place vote. And I'm really, I feel like that win's going to go a long way, even though it yeah. was in December, people say, Oh, Carolina is a better team. Now I don't care if they're the better team now, maybe they are on paper, who knows, but either way we have that win against them and the ACC is kind of weak. I think they have a really good chance to run through it. That's going to, that could potentially be a win over a one seed going into selection Sunday, but Houston fell to number five. They suffered a couple of losses. I don't think they'll, they're going to really struggle in the big 12. In my opinion, they already lost two road games, but Tennessee fell to six. They were in the top five. And after that, there's a couple of big East schools down there. 17 Marquette, 18 Creighton, who we play Wednesday, and Seton Hall, surprisingly to me, wasn't in the poll. I thought for sure how they've been playing the past couple of weeks, they get in, especially with all the teams that were losing. But they're, I believe, the third team off. So if they keep on winning, they'll get there eventually. But, yeah, man, number one in the AP poll. It's awesome to hear, but we got to protect it. And that starts against Creighton on Wednesday. But before that, we had a game yesterday against Georgetown, which – it was an interesting game, I'd say. It was one of those weird games where you never thought you were going to lose, but like you never broke away to that 20-point, even that 20-point projected spread 
you were supposed to win by. But overall, I think the t- key takeaway from this is Alex Caravan should be Big East Player of the Year as of right now. I mean, we can get into the awards and how he hasn't won Big East Player of the Week yet, but I don't know. He's just been incredible. He was in a funk a couple about a month ago around that, like, Around the non-conference play, he was in a funk, but he's really out of it. He's shooting like 75% from three over his past four games. He's put up 26 points, and he hit six threes against Georgetown. I'm going to start advocating for this. I feel like we're the best team in the Big East. He is kind of separating himself as the best player on the best team in the Big East. I think right now Alex Caravan should be Big East Player of the Year. Absolutely. I've got a couple things to say about First of all, I'm going to correct myself. I mix up way too many names because I know a million. It's uh, Big 24B, Craig Ostry, not Aguera. I don't know where I got that from, but it's Craig Ostry, starter on the 08-09 team. Um, Connecticut legend, I might say. Um, but, yes, Caravan, I mean, I don't know what else he needs to do to get the Big East Player of the Week. Does he need to save the world from an alien invasion? Like, what? do you want him to do he put 26 points on the board i mean seriously what else do they want him to do um and then the georgetown game i mean when was the last time we played good against georgetown not last season i don't think the one before that either so it's just weird that we always play bad against georgetown but also always end up winning um But, I mean, I wasn't necessarily mad about yesterday's game. I mean, we hadn't played in a little bit of time, you know, a couple days. That's not necessarily an excuse. But also, just the fact that Georgetown, what was that guy's name? Cook. We hadn't really played a guy like him because the Xavier game was physical. Um, Even the St. John's game was physical. But we hadn't really played a guy like Cook who was just always up in everybody's grill. You know, we just really hadn't played that. And I feel like we struggled with him, but then he was being stupid and got fouled out of the game because of technicals when he got into his little situation with Newton. But overall, I'm not really mad at that game with Georgetown. I think we played fine. Yeah, I feel like you meant you hit on it really well. Every year it feels like Georgetown plays us close. They never beat us, but well, just the past three games, this one never really felt – 100% comfortable like we're going to win. It was like, it's eight-point game. It's a 10-point game. Back to eight. Oh, it's down to six now. They really stayed in it the whole time. Remember last year, we played our closest win of the season at Georgetown. It was, I believe we won by seven. It was down to two at one point. It was, but I think we with fouls and free throws, we got up to around seven. But that was our closest win of the year in D.C. And obviously the Joey Calcaterra game in Gampel. I believe, that's 2022 now. That's yep. almost, not almost two years, but two December calendar 14th. years ago. Yeah, so they always play us tight, even the, even if they don't have the most competitive teams. But I'd say this year's Georgetown squad is definitely a lot better than last year's and the year before. You mentioned Supreme Cook right out of our backyard from Fairfield, the Fairfield transfer. He had 18 and 13 before he fouled out. He's he's not a guy you should be allowing 18 and 13 do. He's clearly a solid, solid big man down there, but... I don't know. That kind of goes on Samson and Caravan. You can't be you can't be bullied like that by a guy who has no business bullying you, especially because we kind of controlled Soriano against St. John's. I don't see how Supreme Cook gives you these issues. But, yeah, they got some players. Jaden Epps did well. Jay Heath off the bench. They, they're going to upset some teams in Big East play. They're not going to win more than 
I'll say six games, six and 14 maybe, but they're going to certainly play some spoiler. But we mentioned Caravan, the other guy who had 20 points and hit five threes, Cam Spencer. I feel like that's a nightly, if he doesn't get 20 and hit four or five threes, what happened? I mean, he's just been a revelation. I think the top transfer in the Big East is a lot of, a lot of great transfers. We saw one Xavier earlier in the week, Quincy Olivari. I mean, a bunch of good transfers on this Georgetown team. I just mentioned like Epps, but Spencer, I mean, the impact he has six and nine from the field, five or seven from three, seven rebounds, three assists. I mentioned the 20 points. I mean, he's exceeding what we all, I, I, I say this every episode, but he exceeds our expectations we had on him going into the season. And we would not be the number one team in the country if Cam Spencer wasn't what he is. No shot. Honestly, when he transferred here, and I remember it was a late night thing. Um, I just figured he would be like a Joey California off the bench. I figured that the starting lineup was going to be Newton, Castle, uh, Caravan, Johnson, Clean, and that he would just Spencer would be off the bench. I never imagined him starting. I never imagined him averaging nineteen freaking points. Like I figured that he would just be a guy off the bench, but he has been a blessing. And just another example of why we should not overreact if we miss on a guy like Nick Timberlake and just let the coaches do the job that they get paid millions of dollars to do. Because I remember the overreactions on not getting Timberlake and I could name a million transfers. Oh, Hurley's the worst recruiter ever. Well, that's just not true. But just another example of why overreacting never gets anything solved. And more than 98% of the time, I say people are way wrong. Yeah, and kind of staying with that, sometimes he gets guys that aren't immediately as impactful as you think they'd be. Hassan Diara has been arguably our most important player, especially off the bench this season. He had seven points all in the last 10 minutes of the game when it was kind of going back and forth. He... He hit a three there. He had a nice little move to the basket for a layup. He, His confidence offensively has really, really been the difference this year. Last year, he's kind of not afraid to shoot, but he didn't really need to shoot with Joey and Aline off the bench. And you have Hawkins, Caravan, all these guys that can make threes. But now we don't have as many of those guys, and that's kind of his role. Obviously, he's the defensive guy. He's going to be up in your face for however long he plays, 20, 25 minutes. He's going to he's gonna get steals. He almost had that steal off the inbounds pass there early, in, I believe, in the first half. But that's just the pesky player he is. If he's scoring seven points per game, especially the guy like Solo Ball who's kind of not regressed over the past couple of weeks but hasn't really been what we saw while he was a starter, I feel like – we really need those seven to 10 points out of DR. And if you can bring that, I feel like our ceiling is really high. Well, yeah, with solo, it's just like once he got out of his starting position, you know, Castle took those minutes, um, even Stewart. And speaking of Stewart, he started a whole, I don't want to touch on this too much because I hate it, but I don't know if you saw it at all, but there was a huge argument on UConn Twitter about the nickname Stewie because um, the UConn men's Twitter account posted that like Stewie slams at home or something on his huge dunk um, in the second half. And the pe- like people were saying, like, if you're a fan of the men's team, you're not a fan of the women's team and all of this, blah, blah, blah. It's all stupid. But anyway, I feel like the, the narrative of people regressing is not necessarily correct because he didn't regress. He's just not playing as much because Castle is starting to get back to what he is. And honestly, I didn't expect Solo to play much at all this year because I figured Castle would just take those minutes. But, you know, when people get into foul trouble, 
then we need Solo off the bench. But I wouldn't say he's necessarily regressing, but he's just not getting as many minutes as he, he was getting when Castle was out. Yeah, I think it's simply he's a guard. We have – I'll say if we have four guards that are better than him, it's tough, especially getting into the teeth of Big East play, to have that fifth guard play consistent minutes, especially – we touched on – you touched on Stewart, which that whole thing is ridiculous. I mean – there's fans, there's more fans that are just of the woman than there are just of the men. And I'm not going to say it's older people, but I feel like there's a lot of older people that are, I mean, just, they follow me personally, women's basketball. I'm a fan of both. I'm a fan yeah, of both. I definitely support, I don't watch that many women's games, but I definitely hope they win and support them. But yeah, that's really a stupid, no one yeah. owns a nickname. I mean, if that's the first time Jalen Stewart's been called Stewie in his life, I mean, I don't know what I'd do. He's probably been called that since he was one years old. But that's not important. What's important that he has looked really good over the past few games. He only had two points and three rebounds, but a couple of big rebounds amongst those three. He played 14 minutes. He was out there in crunch time over a guy like Solo Ball when Spencer and Newton, everyone was in foul trouble. We'll get into that after this. The fouls were horrendous. But Stewart really held his own. He's been playing some small ball power forward, a little bit of center. We saw a little center out of him in that Xavier game. But he is... He's a guy I feel like we really need as, like, he'll end up being that ninth guy, which last year Hassan Diara was our ninth guy, and look how important he was, even though he wasn't really a factor in the Final Four. But you need a guy like that to get to the Final Four, especially Caravan can't consistently play 38 minutes like he did against Georgetown. Maybe he could, but if he can play 32 and Stewart can give a solid eight at that backup power forward, maybe get a bucket, that'd be massive for this team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really expecting Caravan to play 38 minutes a game. Nor am I hoping because that's just how somebody gets hurt. But Stewart has progressed really well. Um, he's starting to look kind of like an Isaiah Whaley type of player. Mm. I think he's a little quicker than Whaley. But, I mean, that explosive move that he had for the dunk yesterday, well, I really like that. Like, that was – we never really – I mean, that was like an Andre Jackson move, honestly. But I really like how he's progressed so far, how he's taking the most of his minutes that he gets, and he's playing well so far. But I think he's going to be a really important piece next year, especially with whoever leaves. I mean, it's looking like Caravan could be a first-round pick, unless you're Jeff Goodman, of course, who thinks he's the worst basketball player on the planet. But anyway, um, he's looking like a first-round pick. Obviously, Spencer out, Newton out. So who knows? But I feel like Stewart's going to be an important part of this team for the rest of the years and next year. Let's see. Who haven't we touched upon? Tristan Newton. He nine points, seven rebounds, eight assists. He stuffed the stat sheet, but two of eleven from the field, oh six and three. I'm not even gonna get into that. I'm not worried about him at all. He has struggled a little bit the past few games, but we've seen what he can do. I'm not, I feel like it's just a slump. He slumped around this time last year and then picked it up and was one of our most important players in the tournament run. So I'm especially with the guys we have around him. I'm not worried about that. Samson Johnson only played 12 minutes and he had two points for rebound. He was in foul trouble in the first half and the second half, we kind of just went with the hot hand of caravan at the five and four guards around him. But yeah, let me get into fouls. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. There were 44 combined fouls, 63 combined free throws. I mean, you don't need that. We had four guys with four, two more with three. They had two guys foul out. It's just enough's enough. And they're, they're just like these ticky-tacky fouls that shouldn't be called. And they, they call it ticky-tacky the ones. Game. Yeah. 
they call the ticky tacky ones, but then you get mauled underneath and there's no contact, no call. But it's right. just it's like for heaven's sake, like it's even called like fouls that are on us against Butler's, like or on the other team. Like they don't need to call those. Like let the game go. Yeah, it puts us in a tough spot. Like Yusuf Singare played. I don't know. It says a minute in the box score. It was probably more like 20 seconds and two 10 second spurts. Just because we had guys like Caravan, we don't want him to get that second foul late in the first half on defense. But I don't know. It's just we wish we win. So I'm not too concerned about it. Once we lose a game off of that, it'll be more of an yep. issue. But overall, just a solid team win. Probably if I had to grade it, I'd say b to b minus i mean yeah not, you don't fit it's not a it's not an f it's not a fail but you certainly could have beat that georgetown team by the 20 maybe even more that you were projected to but yeah huskies 15 and 2 next test as we mentioned wednesday night at gamble pavilion two dollar beer night versus the <laughs> number 18 creighton blue jays a team who has historically had success against us but we did beat them last year What's your first – I want to start there. What's your first initial thoughts? Obviously, we're number – first game is number one. We're playing a team that has good history against us, and it's at home. But how are you feeling? I hope that clean plays. That's my first thought because Carl Brenner is good. He is big. Um, and Samson has done fine against centers, but I, I don't know if he could defend Carl Brenner, honestly. He did fine against Soriano because Soriano didn't play fantastic. But I – I just I'm not the most confident person if he can uh, if he can defend Kalkbrenner well, and especially if we have to start doubling him and that leaves uh, Baylor Shireman wide open. So I just really hope that he plays. But we need that place as loud as possible because we need that's why we won last year because that place was bumping and Creighton just folded. So they're a good team again, obviously this year. But we need we need Gamble as loud as possible. Yeah, students are back on campus. I believe classes start Tuesday, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. It's gonna be it's gonna be very loud at Gamble. It's really our first really our first big game this year at Gamble because who have we played there? We played DePaul in Big East play. I think that's yep. the only Big East game and that the rest were <laughs> the the rest were little non conference games versus NAU and yeah. I don't even remember Pine Bluff maybe was there. I'd lose track of where's who's where. But this is one of our I'd say one of our at least two big games to Gamble, at least games that might be close, that and I believe Villanova. I don't think we should be playing a Providence close. They're not very good. We'll get into that Well, later. it was going to be close, but... <laughs> it was going to be close, but yeah, they lost Bryce Hopkins. They're looking like a bottom three team in the conference, and I guess Seton Hall is there in March. I forgot about that. That might be a close game if they continue. To be That's as good. senior the, day, too. It is, yeah. This this is our premiere Gamble home game for the students. This one, we you mentioned Kalkbrenner. I I feel like we do see some clinging in this one just to just to give him give him a different look. I mean, they they're obviously planning for him to play. I assume Creighton at least making their game plan. Like this guy, he looked like he could have gone against Georgetown. He looked good in warmups. He was doing the dribbling drills and he was in layup lines, but ultimately didn't suit up. But I agree. I don't. I don't like Samson against him for 40 minutes. I think if Samson's against him, you might get like 10 minutes before he fouls out, honestly. Yeah. He has some fouling issues, but, and I don't He's love Caravan. Start reaching. Yeah. I don't love Caravan. I like Caravan at the five at times and spurts, but Not I don't on like Caravan. 
guarding Kalkbrenner. That's a recipe for disaster. But you mentioned <laughs> Baylor Shireman's another guy to look out for. He's averaging 18 points per game. He's a sniper from deep. He's averaging eight rebounds as well, almost four assists. He's another guy who's up there with Caravan as a Big East player of the year, front runner in my opinion. But you got to look out for him, Kalkbrenner, and Trey Alexander's averaging over 16 points per game. That's really their big three. They got some solid supporting cast members, Stephen Ashworth, who transferred it. He's averaging eight points per game. Mason Miller, who's their fifth starter, averaging seven. They don't get much from the bench. They get solid run out of their guys, but there's I feel like our bench is better even without Donovan. If if we our bench is just Diara, solo ball, Stewart, I still feel like our bench is better than theirs. But this is not going to be an easy game by any means. Like I mentioned, we're six. No, they're six and one. We're one and six against them all time. The one win was at Gampa last year in early January. Sonogo had a great game, kind of destroyed Kalkbrenner. Hmm. Well, we can we can say he destroyed him. He did. And the guys that kind of beat us in that game, I remember just because I'm picturing that game. Arthur Kaluma had 16 rebounds on Caravan. He's not there anymore. And uh, th- their power forward, Mason Miller, is not going to get 16 rebounds. If he does, you can go back to this clip. I'd I'd be shocked. But, yeah, I, I feel like this is a great game to be our first as number one. And I feel like it's a winnable game. And if we win this game and win versus Nova, we're primed to be number one for a long time. Yeah, this is a game where if we, if we beat Creighton and Gamble, we stay number one no matter what. I don't care if Purdue beats the – USA dream team. We stay at number one. Yeah, I think in order to secure this one, we're really going to have to limit them from the perimeter. Like I mentioned, Shireman's a great shooter, Trey Alexander, all those all those role players who I kind of named it didn't. They all can shoot the three. Creighton's really a three and Kalkbrenner team. They don't do a lot of driving. They don't do a lot of mid-range shots. It's really they emphasize from the perimeter. And I feel like we got guys that can guard that. We I feel like we do a solid job of guarding the three. Georgetown only made four. I think they went four for 16, if I'm not mistaken. So we've been guarding the three well recently. Xavier really didn't take any threes. We didn't. I guess we didn't do an episode after that. That was an ugly game defensively in the paint. They got everything they wanted because we didn't have Donovan down there. But all in all, if we guard the three, I'm really confident we can pull this one out. Yeah, I mean, we've done a good job with it this year, but – I think Creighton's one of the best three-point shooting teams in the Big East. And they're also a team where they'll pass it around 16 times to find the open shot, and that's going to tire our guys out. So I feel like Hurley's got to have some plan of how to defend the perimeter, but also inside without having all five guys in the same area. You know, if Kalkbrenner gets the ball, you don't want three people over there, but you also don't want five guys on the perimeter, you know? So I think Hurley Mm -hmm. obviously has a plan, but this is – this is going to be our toughest game so far, in my opinion. Yeah, especially in Big East play, I agree. I'm pulling up Creighton. That's, that's what I meant, Big East yeah, play, yeah, yeah, toughest yeah. Big East game so far. Yeah, I'm pulling up Creighton now, what they've done recently. I didn't watch this game on Saturday, but they beat St. John's by one at home, which that, that's There's a whole controversy to that, too. Yeah, I, 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 and stuff. I know what happened. I didn't see the clip, but I don't know. They No matter what, they beat St. John's at home. They beat one at DePaul. They beat a depleted Providence at home by just nine. They won at Georgetown. What else did they do? That's right. They did start 0-2 in Big East play. They lost at Marquette, and then they lost at home in overtime in the Big East opener against Villanova. So they're certainly a vulnerable team. Obviously, every team in the conference is lost. We're all vulnerable. But I, I I find it hard to believe 
that Creighton comes into Gamble against number one UConn and wins. Especially, I saw this stat. I saw some Creighton Twitter person say it, so I don't. I didn't fact check it, but they've never beaten the number one team before. I don't envision this scenario. Two dollar beer night, students at Gamble. No way. The one game, yeah, no way. But it's gonna be a great game no matter what. If you can make it out to Gamble, it is a Wednesday night, so it might be tough for people. It's. It'll just be cool to be at the first game. You can say I was at the first game. We've been number one in 15 years. So that's certainly it's certainly an accomplishment for the team to be able to say that. But I think we can do move on to our players to watch for this game. I can let you go first. I, I feel like we can really choose anyone here, but who you got? This is a tough one. But I think that I'm going to go with Castle because he's due for a breakout game. And I'm not – their guards – I'm way more concerned about Creighton's big guys. And, like, I don't expect Klingon to get a lot of points. I feel like he's just going to be in there to defend Kalkbrenner. I mean, Caravan will probably have a lot. But I, I think this is a game for Castle and Spencer to go off. Okay. I, I'm going to go a little different route. I'm just going to say my player to watch is Donovan Klingon because – I think he plays. I mean, you got to watch to see if he plays or not. I think he plays. Hurley did say he's going to ease him in. He's going to come off the bench when he first comes back for the first couple of games, kind of in that backup role he played last year. So, yeah, I just – I think we'll see him. I I didn't think we had a chance for Georgetown. Obviously, he didn't play, but he was warming up like he was going to play. So that's certainly a good thing. But, yeah, I think we do see Donovan Klingon, and our defense is really going to – really going to improve because if you look at Kempom right now, I believe I'm pretty sure we fell down two spots from five to seven in Kempom after that Georgetown game. Oh, wow. Our, our defense took such a hit because we like didn't win by what we were supposed to, which that's how that works. I'm not going to complain about it. They usually really favor us. So if this one stretch without our best defender, we go down. So be it. We're the number three offense in the country last I saw and the number 40 defense, but we were both top 10 when Klingon was, Playing that'll get back up there probably by February once he's he got his feet wet. But please yeah, don't I think get that'll hurt again. That's yeah, all gotta, I ask. Please do you gotta not be get careful. hurt again. I feel like I feel like he'll be limited, assuming he comes back first. Creighton, I feel like he'll be limited in first Creighton and Nova, and then we have eight days off after that Nova game. I feel like we'll see full, however, whatever full is for him, twenty five minutes. Yeah, he'll maybe. he'll start that Xavier game. I'll bet. Yeah, I guarantee that'll be his first star. I don't envision him coming off the bench still after a week plus of no games. But we also have no insight if he's playing, but just assuming with the matchup and all that, he will be out there. Hurley did say we're on Kling Kong watch. But yeah, that'll do it here, episode 55. The first episode we've ever done as number one in the AP poll because we did not do this podcast back in 2009, the last (laughs) time we were. It's a it's a great day for Huskies fans. It's a great day for the program. Great day for the university. They can they can flex that a little bit. We're number one team in the country. But yeah, we're gonna try to get back to our consistent schedules. I think uploading in between every game. We'll certainly try to get one out between Creighton and Nova and we'll work from there. But yeah, thanks for watching and stay tuned for the next one.